This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, we've been talking about dealing with some of the, the challenges we're dealing with. I want to talk this morning about the road ahead. And I'm actually taking a text and, and speaking from an area that I have never spoken on before. I think it'll be encouragement to you. As the Lord kind of reveals some things to me, I think it will help you. I had never seen these things before. Maybe I'm, I just didn't catch it, but I really believe it will be a blessing. As we talk about the days ahead, the idea of the future is challenging for people. It is especially challenging for my wife. My, my wife does not enjoy uncertainty. Maybe it's because of years of being married to me. I don't know. But she, if you watch a television show with joy, don't watch a series with joy. Because we've already figured out what my wife will do. When, the, when no one else is watching, she will slip up and go to the very end and see what happens. And then we're sitting now. We were trying to watch a, a, a series together a few years back. I think it was Downton Abbey or something. And it was Sunday night. And so we were watching it. And, and we would be watching it. And we'd go, ooh, wow, I wonder, I wonder if he dies on that. And Joy would be like, mm-hmm, yeah, he dies. And... and if you want to look at her and go, just, just be quiet. You know, if she watched it and could be quiet, it would be a, a great blessing. But no, she has to know the end. There's something within us that we don't like the idea of uncertainty. And we've always been fascinated with the future. Every time we have a, something like this happen, this pandemic happen, we hear the name Nostradamus comes up. Nostradamus, for those of you not familiar, was... Uh, 16th century French astrologer, physician, and supposed seer. And he was supposed to have written things that were foretelling events that happened in the world. If you really scrutinize it, a lot of it's left up to interpretation. And don't send me emails about how Nostradamus is really awesome because I'm, I'm not in. I'm just not buying off on Nostradamus. But his name comes up because people are fascinated with the future. In fact, they have a, a business uh, term now called a futurist. And companies will actually hire someone who can look at current trends and, and then predict what's going to happen in the future. And if you Google it, Google will tell you uh, how to become a futurist and how much they pay. They don't start off that well, but anyway, it's a futurist. I think meteorologists are futurists. I think they stand up and make predictions based on trends. I can predict the future. Here's what I predict. This summer is going to be hot here in the Houston area. That's, there it is. That's, you know, the future. But futurist is actually a real thing. And when they do hit it, they can make their companies a fortune. And then forever there have been psychics, mediums, and spiritualists. And I mean, even back in biblical times, they had to deal with them. These are people who are supposed to be able to tell you the future. Might, let me just save your money. Don't go that way. In the 80s, there were all these psychic hotlines, if you remember, and people are calling on psychic hotlines, but they weren't psychic enough to figure out that that industry was going to die. And they weren't psychic enough to win the lottery. So when they start winning the lottery, call me. But it's not going to happen. These are psychics. But again, the fascination is what's in the future. Even Jesus' disciples talked about that. Luke, the 21st chapter, you see the disciples asking Jesus, what are the signs of these things? What are going to be the signs that all this is going to happen? And Jesus begins to lay out some of the end time signs. He talks about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and pestilence. And a lot of the things that we're seeing today are some of the things that he mentioned then. Again, people are fascinated with the future. So what will the future hold? As we look toward the future, you're asking me the question, Alan, what do you see for the future? I'll be honest with you. 
I don't know. I know that after we recover from this pandemic, it's going to be different. I, I do understand that things will have changed. But whatever the future holds, here's the good news. We can handle it. Because we have God's promises. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. We have his promises. We have his peace. Remember Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. So we have Jesus. We have promises. We have peace. And we have the helper, the helper, the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about part of his ministry here in John the 16th chapter when he said, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Did you catch that last part? He will tell you things to come. Do you realize if you've been born again, if you've made Jesus your Lord, then the one living on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit has the ability to tell you things to come. Years ago, we saw that happen very, very, uh, it was pretty dramatic in, in our lives over something that was relatively small. Matthew was about two and a half years old. Christina was a young mom who was about to give birth to, uh, excuse me, Joy was a young mom about to give birth to Christina, our daughter. And Christina's uh, due date was on the 14th of February, Valentine's Day. And Joy was really fired up that she was going to have a Valentine's Day baby. Didn't happen. And when it didn't happen, I had a wife now who was more than ready to give birth and a little bit ticked off. And so she said, I'm, I'm going to do, I don't know if it's in the reality or not, but the old idea that you can walk a child out. And so we were at the park and uh, close to where we were living at the time. I, my job was to watch Matthew while Joy was fast walking around this park. And I mean, she's, she's just hoofing it. Matthew's two and a half. He's playing. And we, um, I, know, I, I, I was thinking about it because I, I said, I just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, what about this? And I didn't even think more about it. And I leaned down. I was going to pick up, Matt was playing in the sand. I was going to lean down to pick up some sand with Matt. And all of a sudden, I just knew. I knew that the baby was a girl. I knew that she would be born on the 17th, two days from there. And I knew that she weighed seven pounds, six ounces. Just knew it. Now, you have to understand this was back in the 80s when some of those um, scans and ultra scans were kind of, they were kind of fuzzy. I mean, they would look at them and go, oh, looks like it could be a girl, can't tell. So they didn't really know. No one really knew. And we had, we were arguing on boy's name, had a girl's name picked out. But as soon as that, the Holy Spirit said, 17th, girl, seven pounds, six ounces. So Joy came back around. I stopped her, said, time out. So you have to walk, no more walking. We're done. So we're going back. Child's going to be born in two days. And so sure enough, two days, she's in labor. We hit some challenges in labor, but I'd forgotten about this. Joy looked at me when, when we hit those challenges and she grabbed my, she said, I grabbed her hand and said, God, God knows about this. He's already talked to us about this. It's going to be all right. Well, we're going through, Joy takes forever to have children. And so we were, we were going through a, a time and this nurse came in. She's kind of blustery and she came and walked in and she said, ah, oh, she said, it's a, it's a stubborn old boy. I don't know. I just, I just didn't like her attitude. So I, I said, no, I said, it's a girl. I said, she weighs seven pounds, six ounces. That nurse looked at me like I grew another eye and I just, I didn't say anything. And sure enough, here comes Christina, a girl. So the nurse looks at me like, huh? She said, let's go weigh her. I said, let's. And so we, we trooped around and and uh, she did the calculation. She looked at me. She said, 
Seven pounds, six ounces. I wish I'd known about drop the mic because I'd have done it right then. I'd like, bam, drop, I'd have dropped the mic right then. But I, I, I just smiled and said, yeah, told you. And we went, we went back. Now, she went and talked to some other nurses. I was standing over uh, talking to Joy. And she went and talked to some other nurses. There was a group of them. And, and they were talking about me. And, and one of them looked at me. She said, excuse me, are you a Capricorn? And uh, I looked at her smiled. I said, no. I said, but I was born under the sign of the cross. That didn't go over big. But a little bit later, this little timid little lady came up to me. She said, thank you. She whispered. She said, thank you. I said, for what? She said, I, I'm a Christian too. I said, that's great. I wanted to ask her, why are we whispering? But it was a good witness. It was also a good reminder. If the Holy Spirit knows to help a couple concerned about a child being born, how much more can he help us about the things that concern our future? In the road ahead, I want to share a story this morning about a young man who is facing a pretty uncertain future. His name is Jacob. There's Abraham, there's Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob is, is had to, he's had a, a family trauma, a major conflict that's caused him to have to leave his home. You have to understand, this goes way back to the book of Genesis. The, the environment that people were living in then was challenging. It was negative. It was, you wanted the strength of family around and he had to leave family. He had to leave everything he was comfortable in. It was a difficult time. He's a lonely young man setting off on a journey. He had to leave his home. But he was, he did have something going for him. Jacob was armed with the blessing. You see, the, God had promised to bless Abraham. And the blessing to Abraham went down to Isaac. And then the blessing from Isaac went to Jacob. Now, Jacob was deceitful, and actually he stole the blessing from his brother Esau. And I'm having to condense a story here, but stay with me. And in this blessing, because he got it, it made Esau so angry that Esau was going to kill him. Not like, oh, I'm going to beat you up like you're my brother. No, I mean literally kill him. They were so conscious of the blessing. We've gotten, we've gotten a little bit lax on blessings. I mean, someone sneezes, we say, bless you. If someone's from the South, they do something stupid. We say, bless your heart. Uh, we've lost a little bit of that. Uh, well, we actually, we've lost a lot of the blessing. Listen, they were so focused on this blessing that it was, it was a major part of their life. In fact, Isaac, when he, when he blessed Jacob, he blessed him. He sustained him. He said that God was going to bless him, give him everything he needed, protect him, provide leadership in his life. So that even when Esau came to his, to his dad and said, can't you bless me? Isaac looked at him and said, I've already blessed Jacob and he will be blessed. So as Jacob left, as Jacob is having to venture into a foreign land, having to find some relatives, he's got a place to go, but it's an uncertain time. But he, he is a blessed man, but he did not look like a blessed man. He looked like a lonely guy with a staff. He had a stick and that's all he had. He's traveling alone. It's dangerous at that time. The sun sets and there was no Motel 6 anywhere around. And he has to lie out and sleep in the outside. Let's pick up the story here in Genesis. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. 
And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I'm the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. And also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord's in this place, and I did not know it. Jacob, when he lies down to sleep, and he's sleeping on a rock, and he has a dream, and he sees the heavens opened, and angels descending and ascending on a ladder. And the Lord spoke to him, and the Lord began to, to talk to him, and he talked to him about the promises that he had because of his connection to Abraham and Isaac. He said, I'm the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. And notice he didn't say, I'm your God, not yet. But he was the God of Abraham and Isaac. And he talked about the blessings and he gave Jacob some promises. And the promises that are promises of help and promises of safety and promises of provision. And he also talked to Jacob about his future. He said, you're going to have a future that's amazing. He said, your descendants, he's not even married yet. He said, your descendants are going to know the north and the south and the east and the west. He said, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is a, this is a 20-something young man lying with his head on a rock and God's talking to him about his promises of help and provision and promises of a marvelous future. When Jacob woke up, he said, you know, he said, the Lord's in this place and I didn't even know it. We understand that. But I love how Jacob then responds to God. He responds, again, you see this in Genesis. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in the way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, that the Lord should be my God. And this stone, which I've set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. I love the fact that right then, God became Jacob's God. He became his God, not just his heritage anymore. Not just Abraham's God or Isaac, his God. He said, the Lord will be my God. And then you love the fact that he he had a commitment that he said to God, everything you give me, I'm going to give to you a tenth. He must have learned that from Abraham. We saw that in Abraham. must have been carried on to Isaac. Oftentimes I get tickled. People are like, well, I'm not under the law. I don't have to tithe. No, you you don't have to tithe. There's a lot of things you don't have to do. Jacob didn't do it because he was under the law. Jacob did it because it was in his heart and he was honoring the God who gave him these marvelous promises. So you say, whatever happened to Jacob? Well, I'm going to fast forward the story for you. Years later, he, moved, he had to move so far away that he, he didn't get back to his, his parents' house for years. But years later, Jacob shows up and one of his prayers to God, he said, God, he said, I crossed this Jordan with my stick. He said, now I am coming back or a staff. He said, nice, now I'm coming back. He said, I am two companies. He had had major livestock. He had family. He had 12 sons. He had daughters. He had servants. He had people working for him. He said, I'm two companies. He was two corporations when he showed back up. And, and, you know, you talk about blessed. He didn't look blessed when he went there, but he sure looked blessed when he came back. Listen, you can't stop the blessings of God. It doesn't matter what it looks like right now. We are a blessed people. 
on the road ahead. Here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to understand that this is a walk of faith and we are the walking blessed. You say, well, I don't have the blessings that Jacob had. You're right. Actually, you have a better deal than what Jacob had because we have a blessings that are in Christ. If you go back and read of Abraham's blessings in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, it just begins to expand on how God blessed us. But yet it says in, in Ephesians that we are blessed in Christ. It said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Then in, in, in Galatians, Paul wrote again, he said that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Guys, I want to tell you something. You may not, it may, you're looking around going, I don't look too blessed. Listen, it may not look like you're blessed, but you are blessed. This is where we say, Lord, thank you. Your blessings are on me, just like they were on Jacob. In fact, I have a better deal than Jacob had. Even though I can't see it, and even though I can't feel it, he's working. You know, uh, when uh, we were in Bible school, Joy was sick with Graves' disease. And they actually had to give her some radioactive iodine to, to um, kill off the thyroid. And the doctor, when the doctor came out, uh, Matt was just an infant. And they, they told us, they said, now you can't, uh, you, you, don't, you don't need to hug Joy. You can't kiss Joy. Joy can't hold the baby. For, I think it's a day or two because she's taking radioactive iodine. She's radioactive. And so we left. Now, I looked over at my wife. She was not glowing. She was not green. There was nothing that said this woman's radioactive. But for about two days, we, did, we, we all stayed away from joy. Although I suspect, we've always wondered what happened to Matthew. And I suspect she went and held that child when nobody was looking. But that's, that's, just, that's just a personal theory. But we stayed away because we thought, uh-uh, no, the doctor says she's radioactive. So we took the doctor at his word. Listen, you may not see blessings in your life yet, but God says you are the blessed. So you just, you just take that and it's like, I can't see it, Lord, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe you in it. This is a walk of faith because we're the walking blessed. This is a walk of faith because God is with us. And he's with us to help us. That, that's what a marvelous thing that is. God said that he would be with us. Hebrews 13 is one of my very favorite verses. I love this. It said, I'm going to read the latter part of verse five said for he himself, God himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Isn't that a wonderful promise. We can say the Lord's our helper. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. I think sometimes we feel a little bit like Jacob. Hey, the Lord was here. We didn't even know it. Listen, the Lord is with you, whether you feel it or whether you're aware of it or not, he's with you. So this is something we can say, thank you. That not just, this is the Lord's house. Jacob said, this is the Lord's house. He was talking about where he had that dream. You're the Lord's house because you're the temple of the living God. He lives in us. God's with us. It's a walk of faith. The second thing we have to, we have to know as we face the future, I think our lives are so much like Jacob. As we face the future, we are children of promise. We have so much promise. God made promises to Jacob. There are promises that have been made to us. They're wonderful promises. In fact, the promises, the Jacob's promises were because of the, of the blood covenant and the relationship that he had, a flesh and blood relationship with Abraham and Isaac. Our promises are because we have a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ, which, by the way, also 
was ratified and sealed in blood. Second Corinthians says this. It says all the promises of God in him, in Jesus, are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Listen, guys, God's given, prom- given us promises and these promises relate to our past. There's promises that relate to our present and there's promises that relate to our future. Think about this, the forgiveness that we have in our past. One of the promises we talk about and the declarations we make every, almost every week here in the ark is if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. That lets us know that, that our past has, no, has now no hold on us. In Jeremiah, he said that he would forgive our iniquity and would not remember our sin. So God doesn't even remember, and our past is something that doesn't even come into play because we've been forgiven, we're clean. Thank God our past, we have promises for our past. We have promises for the present. We just read one in, in, in Hebrews 13. What a wonderful promise we have right there that said that he would help us, that he would be with us. We can boldly say the Lord's our helper. That's a promise for the present, but we have promises for the present that deal with provision, that he said he'd supply all of our needs, that if we seek his kingdom, all these things would be added. There's so many promises that we have that belong to us in Christ. And then we also have promises for our future. 1 Thessalonians 5, I won't take the time to read it, but it does say this, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, that whether we live or whether we die, we would live together with him. Isn't that good news? As we look to the future, the wrath of God is not coming on us. We are not appointed for wrath. We are appointed for salvation, and that stretches into eternity. We've got wonderful promises. We are the children of promise. The last thing is this, is that the idea that the reality of God, as the more real God becomes to us, the more we can face our future, whatever it holds, without fear. You see, when he becomes not just grandma's God or mama's God, when he's your God, that makes a difference. When it's not just God on Sunday, but when God begins to have a bigger role in our life. And when it's not just the God that we acknowledge, but the God who acknowledges and keeps us. The apostle Paul said something I thought was so powerful when he wrote Timothy. He's reaching the end of his life and he said this. He said, for this reason, I suffer these things. He was talking about the persecution he went through as a a preacher. He said, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Aren't you glad that he has the capacity and the ability to keep us, to keep us today, to keep us tomorrow, to keep us for eternity? Man, we've got some good things going on. And the more real God is to us, the more we can go, man, I can handle what's ever coming in the future. One of my favorite stories was a story I've, I've told here for years, and I love it. It's a story of, a, of a, an Indian tribe, Native American tribe, here in the United States that had a rite of passage for their young boys turning 13. The idea when a young man turned 13 that they would blindfold him and they would take him, they would walk him for miles. He had no idea where he was going. They would walk him for miles and then they would, by by the time they stopped, it was totally dark. They would leave him in a clearing. They would give him a knife and they tell him that they would hope they would see him in the morning. Can't take the blindfold off until he he no longer could hear them walking away. So you can imagine this young man 
is there. He takes the blindfold off. And as he's sitting there, he doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know where. He doesn't know. He has no frame of reference. He's just sitting there with a knife looking around. He hears the wolf howl and he wonders how many. He hears a twig snap. Is that a predator, an animal? Is that an enemy? And probably spent the whole night in uncertainty wondering what in the world is going to take place. As the day begins to dawn, he sees, he's startled to see the figure of a man standing about 20, 25 feet away from him. But as the, as the light begins to dawn more and more, all of a sudden he realizes it's not just a man, it's his father. That the, man's, the young boy's father has been 25 feet away from him the entire night. That the entire time that he was worried and scared and afraid for what might happen, his father was there. I've often wondered what would happen if a father had whispered in his son's ear as they were putting the blindfold on, don't worry about a thing, I'm there. Whether you can see me or hear me, I'm there. Would that have made a difference? You hear the wolf howl and he might have gone, ooh, but then he would have thought, no, my father's here. He heard a twig snap and he thought, ooh, maybe it's an enemy. But then he would think, no, my father's here. He said he would be here. I can't see him. I can't feel him, but he's here. Guys, let me tell you something. As we face the future, we are not facing the future alone. We have promises. We have blessings. We have God who is with us, and we can handle this. We're going to say a prayer in just a moment. The best way to, to, to face the future and to face eternity with certainty is to recognize what Jesus said about himself. In John 1, 51, Jesus said this. He said, he, really, he likened himself to the ladder. He said that you will see, he said, the, the angels of God ascending and descending on the, on the Son of God. He was talking about himself. Jesus was saying, I'm the ladder between God and man. I'm the connection between God and man. Once you have accepted him, he is the, your connection with God. It's not by works. It's not by effort. It's by you simply believing and trusting that he died for your sins. But God raised him from the dead. He's alive. And that connection right there gives you avenue into the blessings, into the promises, into the presence of God. What a great deal. We're going to pray. And after we pray, we've got a little click the button or text us at 313131. Text the word in, but connect with us so we can get some information to you to help you. But before you do anything, let's pray. Bow your heads. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You pray this prayer out loud with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Man, that's a great prayer. And if you just prayed that prayer, you meant it from your heart, your sins are forgiven and God's not going to remember them anymore. And not only that, now you're you're part of the family, and it's a good family to be a part of. We rejoice with you. Maybe you're like I was. You knew the Lord, but you just came back. Man, welcome home. That's such a great deal. 
Hey, let me pray for the rest of you before we go and then bless you. We pray for you all the time. We love you and we're praying for you, but let, let me just pray real quickly. Father, thank you that you know what's on the road ahead and you know how to handle it. Father, your promises, your, your Holy Spirit is a helper. Your blessings on our life enable us to go into this next phase of our life and of our country with confidence. Lord, thank you for what you've done. I ask for you to minister your peace and grace. Father, to everyone listening, thank you. You're a good Father, and you're our Father, our God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hey, guys, let me bless you before I go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We love you. We're praying for you. Thank you for watching. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.